Due to the mature content of this program, listeners' discretion is advised. Thanks for tuning back into The Depth of Darkness, the podcast that dives deep into all things dark and wrong in this world. We're your hosts, I'm Mandy. And I'm retired Major Hugh Jess, coming at you in your face. (laughs) That one hurt. (laughs) Sounded painful, like a little Uh, forced, a little too much. Uh, On that note, welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about something uh, I'm sure most people dread. It's a little bit of a spinoff. To our very first episode so we're going back here we're going back to that bad audio to that phobias and irrational fears which you know that was actually probably some of our best content in my opinion although the audio was crap so we right. apologize uh but today we're going to be discussing something that you know, i'm sure is probably almost everyone's anybody who's been put under the knife it's their worst fear and you know what that is that's waking up while under anesthesia yeah it happens good times yeah, not really. Not for the people it happens to, but it's very rare. It really is, but it's still possible. I've been uh, put under for surgeries a few times in my life, and luckily that I can recall, this has never happened. Thank God. So let's get started. The articles we're going to be discussing, there's going to be three. The first one is from www.asahq.org. And that one's titled, Anesthesia Awareness, parentheses, waking up, and parentheses, during surgery. If you're having a major surgery, you most likely will receive general anesthesia and be unconscious during the procedure, we would hope. (laughs) I would not want to be conscious during severe surgery. This means that you will have no awareness of the procedure once the anesthesia takes effect, and you won't remember it afterward. Very rarely... In only one or two of every thousand medical procedures involving general anesthesia, a patient may become aware or conscious. The condition, called anesthesia awareness, or waking up during surgery, means the patient can recall their surroundings or an event related to the surgery while under general anesthesia. Although it can be upsetting, patients usually do not feel pain when experiencing anesthesia awareness. That can be up for debate, and we'll go into that further. (laughs) Anesthesia awareness is not the same as remembering some activities surrounding your procedure, such as something that happened just before the anesthesia started working or when its effects began to wear off after surgery. That is normal. You might even dream during surgery and only think you experienced awareness. I can't remember even dreaming when I was put under. It was just like black. I ceased to exist. (laughs) Wake up in the recovery room and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, the first time I went under, I was freaking out afterwards. I was like, oh, my God, oh, that was terrifying. And then the second time, it was just a breeze. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I knew what to expect. <laughs> you go in uh, not expecting it, and then once once you've had your first surgery, it's not that bad. Yeah. So why do some patients experience awareness, you might ask? Anesthesia awareness during surgery can happen for a few different reasons. It can be more common in patients with multiple medical conditions, and certain surgeries or circumstances increase the risk of awareness because the usual dose of required anesthesia cannot be used safely. 
These surgeries are often emergencies, such as emergency C-sections, certain types of heart surgery, and surgery that's needed after a traumatic injury. What happens if you have anesthesia awareness during surgery? People who have experienced awareness under anesthesia report different levels of awareness. Some people have brief, vague recollections. Others remember a specific moment of surgery or their surroundings. In some cases, people recall a feeling of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to move, but apparently the rectum yeah. still could. <laughs> I'm sure that's party time in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, the hell? Jesus, that reeks. Yeah. All right. Patients also are more likely to experience awareness with procedures that do not involve general anesthesia. For example, you may recall all or part of your procedure if you have one of the following types of anesthesia. Intravenous, or twilight sedation, which is often used for minor procedures such as a colonoscopy, certain types of biopsies, or a dental procedure. Uh, I don't think a colonoscopy would be considered minor. No. <laughs> nope. no, not for the patient at least. Yeah. That's and the then, one you least want to wake up from, I would think. No, but like, ah, my butt hurts. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so swollen. All right. Ugh. Local or regional anesthesia. This is the other. There's intravenous and then local or regional anesthesia, such as an epidural. I've had that before. Spinal oh, block yeah. or nerve block, which temporarily numbs the area being treated during the surgery. Depending on the person and the event, anesthesia awareness can be disturbing and even traumatic. If it should happen to you, be sure to describe your experience to your physician anesthesiologist after your surgery. Some patients benefit from counseling after surgery to help cope with feelings of confusion and stress. And then their last little question here, how do you reduce the risks of anesthesia awareness? Before your surgery, your physician anesthesiologist will meet with you to learn about any health conditions you may have, as well as your previous experiences with anesthesia. To reduce your risk of experiencing awareness during general anesthesia, it is important to tell your physician anesthesiologist as much information about your health as possible, including the following. Previous problems with anesthesia, including a history of being aware during surgery. That would suck if you had it more than once. Ugh. Well, the first time I woke up and they were pulling my colon out. <laughs> you know, That's the worst. That I was couldn't bad. help it. It was like, I, you know. <laughs> just kind of squigged out it startled yeah. me kind of messed then, up the room <laughs> destroyed it all medications you are taking prescription over-the-counter and herbal supplements yeah that marijuana concerns you may have about surgery including fear of awareness during surgery and history of drug or alcohol use which can increase the risk of anesthesia awareness all right that was very informative i like this article it was obviously taken from a medical site if you guys didn't catch on all this medical lingo that i probably butchered but this was very informative it goes over the definition of anesthesia awareness how it can occur and how to try and prevent it at all costs because yeah i uh, i would not want to experience this and you're gonna know why in a very short second when hugh takes it away you're right now we move over to CNN.com. Yes. I couldn't move. Patients who wake up during surgery. By Chethan Sathaya. Special to CNN. Dateline, Friday, November 28, 2014. Okay, and they show a bunch of people <laughs> standing around the operating table. Looks like nurses, right? One doctor and mm -hmm. three nurses, like they're giggling at the patient below. <laughs> okay. Probably that colonoscopy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
Okay, and here we go. <laughs> I was awake but paralyzed, says Carol Weirer, as she recalls undergoing eye surgery in 1998. I could hear the surgeon telling his trainee to cut deeper into the eye, she says. Uh. I was screaming, but no one could hear me. I felt no pain, just a tugging sensation. I tried to move my toes or even push myself off the operating table, but I couldn't move. I thought I was dying. Mm. The Reston, Virginia resident inadvertently woke up during surgery, an infrequent phenomenon called accidental awareness during general anesthesia. She's been struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder ever since. I've had to sleep in a recliner for the last 16 years, Wearer says. If I lie yeah. flat, I get flashbacks of the operating table, and I start violently thrashing. Mm. Fortunately, anesthetic awareness is rare. But new research is shedding light into onto factors. <laughs> risk factors. Yes. And the devastating psychological effects the phenomenon can have on patients who experience it. Especially those who are awake and paralyzed. Ugh. The numbers. According to the largest study of its kind, recently published in the journal Anesthesia, in which researchers surveyed more than 3 million patients who received general anesthesia in the United Kingdom and Ireland, roughly 1 in 19,600 patients accidentally wakes up during surgery. That's one too many. Um, yeah. yeah. Previous studies mm -hmm. in the United States reported a far higher rate of 1 in 1,000 surgical patients. However... Cases of anesthetic awareness in the new study were reported voluntarily by patients, which could misrepresent the true number. Researchers mm -hmm. did find that certain surgeries requiring lighter anesthesia, like emergency C-section, carried a higher risk, a rate of 1 in 670. I'm sure women are thrilled to hear that one. Yeah. Most incidents of anesthetic awareness occurred among patients who had received paralytics as part of their anesthetic cocktail. I'll have gin and tonic with a little bit of paralytics, please. Presumably, <laughs> since they couldn't move to alert doctors to the fact they were regaining consciousness. Contrary to folklore, awareness was most likely to occur when patients were being put to sleep, before surgery started, or after the surgery had ended, not when the surgeon was actually operating. Well, that's good. Well, except for that lady with the eye. Uh, uh, yeah, eye yeah. surgery. Yeah, that'd Optical. be a good one. Great. Mm -mm. Patients described a range of sensations, including choking, paralysis, pain, hallucinations, and near-death experiences. Most episodes were short-lived, with 75% of them lasting under five minutes. Despite this, nearly half of all patients who were conscious during surgery had long-term psychological consequences, such as PTSD and depression. Among the symptoms experienced during the event, paralysis was the most distressing to patients, more so than pain, says <laughs> Professor <Who>? Jada Pendit, <laughs> consultant anesthetist at Oxford University Hospitals and lead author of the study. Paralysis mm. is terrifying and has never been experienced by most people, Pendit says. In the United States, more than 21 million patients received general anesthesia. Experts estimate that roughly 26,000 of those patients experience anesthetic awareness. That's way too many. Yeah. Even if mm -hmm. we applied the relatively low rate found in this new study, at least 1,000 Americans each year would still wake up during surgery. And even right. one is too many, said Dr. Daniel Cole, vice president of the American Society of Anesthesiologists. 
General anesthesia involves a drug concoction that renders you unconscious, takes away your pain, and induces amnesia. A paralytic is often added to these to ease the insertion of a breathing tube, prevent patients from moving, and allow surgeons to operate in areas that are inaccessible when muscles are tense. Yeah, that's like when they did my back surgery. They gave me the whole... Hold your back. The whole rainbow of... of uh, Anesthetic cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Anesthetic awareness occurs when the amount of anesthesia is insufficient to suppress human consciousness, Cole says. And certain surgeries where lower doses of anesthesia are required carry a higher risk. Emergency C-sections, for instance, necessitate lower doses of anesthetic to prevent harm to the baby. Lower doses are required also during cardiac and emergency trauma surgeries since large doses could push these medically fragile patients over the edge, Cole says. Mm. But anesthetic awareness really becomes an issue when paralytics are used, Pandit says, since patients can't move to let doctors know they're regaining consciousness. Doctors mm. must instead rely on subtle, often unreliable methods of monitoring consciousness. Mm-hmm. For instance, increases in heart rate and blood pressure may signal to doctors that a patient is stressed and possibly awake. But drugs given before or during the operation could block the body's stress rep- response. Although, although, <laughs> yes, continuously measure the level of anesthetic gas in the patient's. Okay, I lost my place here. <laughs> Man, it was getting so in, intense. In, yeah, just in the died. patient's lungs to ensure appropriate dosage, the gas may affect each person differently. Bandit says, <laughs> brain monitors which track electrical activity in the brain have been touted as a potential solution to the problem. Doctors could use the monitors to keep brain activity below a certain threshold during surgery. But some studies have shown a benefit, while others have shown no reduction in the rate of anesthetic awareness when brain monitors are used. Pandit says, this, universe, <laughs> this uncertainty has prevented the widespread implementation of brain monitors across the United States and has led to the ASA to recommend that the monitors only be used on a case-by-case basis in high-risk patients. <laughs> Without approved <laughs> methods of assessing consciousness and paralyzed patients, it is inevitable that some cases of anesthetic awareness are only recognized after surgery, once the patient can communicate what happened. You know, usually I'm sure those starts with, what the hell? You know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hugh, so, I don't even have to speed up your talking. You're going super fast. You're spitting yeah, those rounds. <laughs> it seems like I'm messing up less when I go <laughs> at a higher <laughs> rate of speed. Yeah. Still, more can be done to prevent anesthetic awareness is pending. Nerve stimulators, which measure the extent of paralysis. <laughs> I don't mess up say, ever. And then you should be used without surgery. To ensure that doctors only use the minimum amount of paralytic required, Pennant says. This would still give patients the ability to move if they start to wake up. Also, educating patients about anesthetic awareness prior to surgery is crucial, says Pennant. Now, I don't think most people want to hear about that kind of thing. No. I do, and I wouldn't. No. Patients who were told about awareness before surgery were prepared and not distressed when they experienced it. Mm, I would and still I, be stressed. The yeah, I would think you'd be <laughs> fully aware of what was happening and how you were stuck with it. No. Well, I mean, they said it's not so much pain. It's just you're freaked out that you can't move and you know what's going yeah. on around you. So, I mean, yeah. it's probably not that bad if you can't feel the pain. That would, I think that would be the worst if you can feel the pain on top of being awake and not being able to tell anybody, you yeah. know. But I or still would not. Or you hear the doctor not. tell the uh, trainee. 
cut a little deeper in the eye. Cut deeper in the eye. That's yeah. always a good. That's a good moment. Uh, yeah. Cole recommends that doctors discuss the possibility of awareness only with patients who are at high risk or when patients themselves raise questions about the topic. There's a concerted effort to educate doctors as well. Education about anesthetic awareness is a mandatory part of residency training, board certification, and annual meetings, Cole says. The ASA also maintains a database of database, database of all <laughs> awareness cases database. to allow doctors to better understand what went wrong. The aftermath. When anesthetic awareness does occur, doctors need to be more proactive in supporting patients, Pandit says. We can't dismiss the concerns of these patients. We need to offer immediate treatment to avoid long-term psychological harm and to avoid yeah. lawsuits. Yeah. Parents like Kristen, whose six-year-old son experienced anesthetic awareness when he underwent Aww. tonsil surgery four years ago, couldn't agree more. Kristen lives in New Poor York kid. but didn't want to disclose the family's last name to protect her son's privacy. Right. The surgery went as planned, Kristen says, but after leaving the hospital, it became clear that something was wrong. Our son's behavior was very odd. He had severe separation anxiety. Aww. Kristen took her son to multiple therapists, all of who attributed her son's behavior to being a difficult child. It was a year <laughs> later when Kristen and her husband, a neurosurgeon, got to the bottom of what happened. Our son began to speak about his experience of being awake during surgery. He remembered what the surgeon looked like and the sensation of the surgery itself. Her son was particularly distressed by the memory of being unable to move. Therapists were bewildered that Kristen's son, who now suffers PS, PTSD, excuse me, had mm -hmm. such vivid memories of the surgery. He has nightmares, flashbacks, and extreme anxiety from triggers in everyday life, Kristen says. This has been a life-altering event for us. Anesthetic awareness isn't a myth, Kristen says. If it weren't for the fact that my husband was a doctor, I'm not sure we'd have realized what happened to our son or received the support that we did, she said. For where are the eye surgery patients? Early support could have made all the difference. None of the doctors thought it was a big deal, my anesthetist told me. At <laughs> least you weren't hurt. Don't worry, she says. Dicks. Ah, you'll be fine. We place so much emphasis on PTSD among our veterans who witness death on the battlefield, but many patients with anesthetic awareness have near-death experiences and feel like they died over and over again. Where's oh, their God. support? Yeah. I don't think it's fair to compare it to No, no, by no means it's no fair to compare them to veterans yeah. who've been on the battlefield and witnessed, Right. Those people know. are, yeah. Ugh. That's like a constant barrage of suffering. Yeah, you know, that goes on. They a need lot way more help than, than they're given, and that's a whole nother episode we could do. But yeah. this is this is still horrible. That you know, it's like they're not being taken serious. You know, like oh, you'll be fine. You know, it's all right. Yeah. Gee, I can't <laughs> wait like, to get my hip done. Yeah, great. <laughs> Article number three, and this is called "Waking Up Under the Surgeon's Knife," and this was taken from BBC.com. White. Yes. I do not have the, uh, I typed up all my stuff today. I don't have the computer in front of me because my internet connection sucks. <laughs> so, I do not remember who the author of this beautifully written article is. So, as always, the links are down below. Feel free to take a gander, but this is what the article is and what it's from, bbc.com. There you go. Start of article. <laughs> Canadian Donna Penner was relaxed at the prospect of abdominal surgery until she woke up just before the surgeon made his first incision. Oh, God. No. She describes how she survived the excruciating pain of being operated on while awake. Okay, well, doesn't that kind of uh, go against what they said 
yeah. on a medical article saying you yeah. can't feel pain. Maybe it wasn't right. in her system long enough, you know? Maybe yeah. the anesthesia wasn't in her body long enough to actually numb everything. Oh, mm. man. In 2008, I was booked in for an exploratory laparoscopy at a hospital in my home province of Manitoba in Canada. I was 44 and I had been experiencing heavy bleeding during my periods. I'd had a general anesthetic before and I knew I was supposed to have one for this procedure. I'd never had a problem with them, but when we got to the hospital, I found myself feeling quite anxious. During the laparoscopy, the surgeon makes incisions into your abdomen through which they can push instruments so they can take a look around. Ugh. You have three or four small incisions instead of one big one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've had a laparoscopy when I had my gallbladder removed. Got like yeah. three or four little poke wounds down there, but yeah, yeah it's much three, better three than... Three little poke wounds <laughs> and then one bigger one up high. Yeah, yeah, the, the little ones are much better than a big one. So, the operation started off well. They moved me onto the operating table and started to do all the normal things that they do, hooking me up to all the monitors and prepping me. The anesthesiologist gave me something in an intravenous drip, and then he put a mask on my face and said, Take a deep breath. So I did, and I drifted off to sleep like I was supposed to. When I woke up, I could still hear the sounds in the operating room. I could hear the staff banging and clanging and the machines going, the monitors and that kind of thing. I thought, oh good, it's over, it's done. I was lying there, feeling a little medicated, but at the same time, I was also alert and enjoying that lazy feeling of waking up and feeling completely relaxed. That changed a few seconds later when I heard the surgeon speak. They were moving around and doing their things, and then all of a sudden I heard him say, Scalpel, please! I just froze. I thought, what did I just hear? Yeah, she probably excreted something from a rectum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was nothing I could do. I had been given a paralytic, which is a common thing they do when work on the abdomen because it relaxes the abdominal muscles so they don't resist as much when you're cutting through them. <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned, they would they want to paralyze you when they're doing uh, things of that sort, surgery, yes. cutting through the muscles because they're relaxed. Obviously, yeah. abdomen gets tense. Unfortunately, the general anesthe anesthetic hadn't worked, but the paralytic had. Oh, God, that's great. I yeah. panicked. I thought this cannot be happening, so I waited for a few seconds. But then I felt him make the first incision. I don't have words to describe the pain. It was horrific. I could not open my eyes. The first thing that I tried to do was to sit up, but I couldn't move. It felt like somebody was sitting on me, weighing me down. And then they have a little note in here. I'm going to include conscious during surgery accidental awareness during general anesthesia is reported in around 1 in 19,000 operations patients often cannot communicate they are awake due to the use of muscle relaxants most waking events last less than 5 minutes 40% of those affected suffer moderate to severe psychological harm waking is most likely to occur during a, a c-section cesarean <laughs> c-section or cardiorectic cardiothoracic thoracic i can speak surgery or if the patient is obese this yeah this royal college of anesthetics <laughs> leaflet explains more about why accidental awareness during general anesthesia happens what steps are taken to prevent it and what to do if you think it has happened to you and then uh, in this last website here they have like a bunch of information so now back to uh this poor woman who woke up before they started her surgery I wanted to say something. I wanted to move, but I couldn't. I was so paralyzed, I couldn't even make the tears to cry. At that point, I could hear my heart rate on the monitor. It kept going up higher and higher. 
I was in a state of sheer terror. I could hear them working on me. I could hear them talking. I felt the surgeon make those incisions and push those instruments through my abdomen. Ugh, no thank you. I felt him moving my organs around as he explored. I heard him say things like, look at her appendix. It's really nice and pink. Colon looks good. Ovaries look good. That's uh, great. Thanks. That's a nice healthy colon you got there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling better about this. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> I managed to twitch my foot three times to show I was awake, but each time someone put their hand on it to still it without verbally acknowledging I had moved. The operation lasted for about an hour and a half. Oh my god. Was she <laughs> conscious this whole time? That's yeah. horrible. Let's keep reading. <laughs> to top it all off, because I was paralyzed, they had intubated me, put yes. me on a breathing machine, and set the ventilator to breathe seven times a minute. Even though my heart rate was up at the 148 beats per minute, that's all I got. Those seven breaths a minute. I was suffocating. It felt as though my lungs were on fire. Oh my god, this poor woman. There was a point when I thought they had finished operating and they were starting to do their final things. That's when I noticed I was able to move my tongue. I realized that the paralytic was wearing off too. Oh, I thought I was going to play with the breathing tube that's still in my throat. So I started wiggling it with my tongue to get their attention. And it worked. Thank God. This is awful. I did catch the attention of the anesthesiologist, but I guess he must have thought I was coming out of the paralytic more than I was because he took the tube and pulled it out of my throat. Ugh. I lay there thinking, now I'm really in trouble. I already said mental goodbyes to my family because I didn't think I was going to pull through. Now I couldn't breathe. I could hear the nurse yelling at me. She was on one side saying, breathe, Donna, breathe. But there was nothing I could do. As she was continuously telling me to breathe, the most amazing thing happened. I had an out-of-body experience and left my body. So you had mentioned that. A lot of people have out-of-body experiences. Oh, yeah. And she, she says here, I'm, a, I'm of Christian faith and I can't say I went to heaven, but I wasn't on earth either. I knew I was somewhere else. It was quiet. The sounds of the operating room were in the background. I could still hear them, but it sounded as though they were very, very far away. The fear was gone. The pain was gone. I felt warm. I felt comforted and I felt safe. And instinctively, I knew I was not alone. There was a presence with me. I always say that was God with me because there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that he was there beside me. And then I heard a voice saying, whatever happens, you're going to be okay. Aww. <laughs> this poor woman. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I knew that if I lived or died, I would be just fine. I had been praying throughout the whole thing to keep my mind occupied, singing to myself and thinking of my husband and my children. But when this presence was with me, I thought, please let me die because I can't do this anymore. But just as quickly as I went there, I was back. In the time it takes to snap your fingers, I was back in my body in the operating room again. I could still hear them working on me and the nurses yelling, breathe, Donna. All of a sudden, the anesthesiologist said, bag her. They put a mask on my face and used a manual resuscitator to force air into my lungs. Well, thank God somebody finally got on it. <laughs> what are these people doing? Yeah. As soon as they did, the burning sensation I'd had in my lungs left. It was a huge relief, I can imagine. I started to breathe again. At that point, the anesthesiologist gave me something to counteract the paralytic. It didn't take long before I was able to start talking. Later, as I recovered from the ordeal, the surgeon came into my room, grabbed my hand with both of his and said, I understand there were some problems, Mrs. Penner. I said to him, I was awake. I felt you cutting me. His eyes filled with tears as he grabbed on my hands and said, I am so sorry. I started telling him the different things that I had heard him say. 
the comments he had made about my appendix and my internal organs. He kept saying, yes, I said that, I said that. I said, have you noticed that I have not asked you what the diagnosis was? And he looked at me for a moment and said, you already know, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And I told him what my diagnosis was. It's now nine years since I woke up during surgery. I have since pursued a legal claim against the hospital, which was, a, which was resolved. Immediately after the operation, I was referred to a therapist because I was so traumatized. I didn't even have a clue what day of the week it was on my first appointment. I was pretty messed up. It definitely takes its toll on a person. Yeah, we can tell. That's horrific. But talking about it has helped. After time, I was able to tell my story. I have done a lot of research into anesthesia awareness. I contacted the University of Manitoba's anesthesiology department and have spoken to the residents a couple of times now. They're usually horrified by my story. There are usually quite a few who have tears in their eyes when I'm speaking to them. My story is not to lay blame or point fingers. I want people to understand that this thing can happen and does happen. I want to raise awareness and help something good come out of this awful experience. Okay, so that's the end of the article. That's mortifying. We thought the first one with the eye was bad. This is like a thousand times, thousand times worse. Because <laughs> she actually felt the pain. So, oh my gosh, I can, I feel so bad for her. I feel bad for anybody who wakes up during this. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling lucky that I never had that happen. Same. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, this is truly horrifying in my opinion. You know, I mean, there's so many advancements in technology and science and medicine, and they're so advanced now. And it's a great tool and it's saved so many people's lives. And I'm sure in many of the cases where the people have woken up, it was a surgery to save their life from something, you know? But the fact that there's that small chance that something could go wrong, you know, that's horrifying. Whether it's miscalculations in the me the dosage of the medicine or human error. Oh, I just, I can't imagine, you know, waking up during surgery. That's just horrifying. Yeah. So... Yeah, this, this was a good spinoff, though, to the phobias and irrational fears, because I would bet money that a lot of people have this as a fear. In, in their, I, in the back I would of their say mind. this is a rational <laughs> fear, though. Yeah, this is rational, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a phobia and a rational fear, not You're irrational. Back. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> but that, that about does it for today's episode, though. We hope you all enjoyed it. Yes. Had a lot of medical terminology in the beginning there, but we like providing you good, thorough information. So, so all you people out there having surgery, you got yeah, to look forward to. Yeah, something you can to listen think to about. This, listen to this episode right before surgery; it'll yeah. win you over. <laughs> Please don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance. No. But as always, don't forget to like and share this episode with your family and friends who like the diker. The diker. <laughs> The diker. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Yeah, we like the darker side of life. Oh. And be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to our podcast to help spread that dark cheer. Good things will come your way. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. And on a side note, before we end this episode, everybody, we want to do a quick shout out. One of our friends on Instagram, his username is poltergeist underscore OD. He's a super cool guy, and he's actually a music performer. He creates songs about horror movies. He turns them into music videos, and I have to say, I listen to it, and he's an amazing artist. His music is real catchy. I loved his music. I listened to it, and I messaged him. I was like, your music is amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he talks about horror movies and horror content, so you can't go wrong with that. So we left all his links down below in the description box, along with all of our social media links, all the articles. Everything is down in the description. Definitely go give him a listen because he's amazing. Check him he, out. His work's killer, literally. <laughs> well, horror movie, killer. Get it? Gotcha. Ah, I'm so funny. Not really. But anyways, yeah, we wanted to uh, give a little shout out to him. Poltergeist underscore OD. Give him a listen. Let him know we sent you. You won't be disappointed. And as always, everybody, until next time, deuces. Bye. Bye.